I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, bro. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to another edition of the Wocast. Joining me, as always, every single week, my sister from another mister, my Cody. It's the woman that they love to hate on Twitter. But you know something? I can't even call you that anymore. They love you now, G. From I know. It's a because it's like I've toned down all the drama and stuff. They can't handle me, man. At, nah, at 100%. Lies. Lies. <laughs> don't, don't, don't come here with no lies. You have not down, toned down shit, and I won't have that. <laughs> I think it's basically all the six-year-old boys who used to come on Twitter and uh, pretend to be of adult age are no longer on it. If you notice, those idiots... Those kind of like uh, immature buffoons are no longer in the timeline. You you not notice that? Yeah, and then I do still come across them. Like if you talk about Connor, so they're over by um, Connor and Sean O'Malley. Like you can ah. still find those types of kids. But I also <laughs> I also ignore the shit out of them, and I think that really works when you're being like bullied online. Just ignore them. Don't say shit. They're gonna go away. They hate it when they don't get a response which they want, which is an answer. Yeah, I, that's what I do now. Like before, I used to retweet a comment, drag people out in the open, or engage in some type of verbal altercation. Even though it wasn't bothering me, I like to one up them in my mentions or to kind of embarrass them. And all it was doing was bringing me negative attention. So I don't really do it anymore. Good. Good. Yeah. Speaking of negative attention, I have to get a couple of plates out, one for you and one for me. Bellator MMA 263 went down uh, this past weekend, as did Vegas or UFC Vegas 33. I was one of the loudest people online saying UFC Vegas 33. Is that still a thing with all the dropouts, the oh uh, lack of star power, the fact that the card on paper looked like trash, but man, did it deliver that whole main card? I loved it from start to finish. But before we even get there, I'm not going to front because there was so much going on this weekend. I only saw some choice bits from each card. So I saw the entire main card for UFC um vegas 33 and i saw um well i saw most of pitbull versus mckee bellator Ooh. 263 so between us we i'm sure going to be able to bring some notables to the table you know i'm going to start with you as always is customary i think ladies should always go first so you first up let's discuss um the notables on bellator 263 Okay, Bellator 263. I missed a lot of this because I was so distracted. I was actually watching both and wound up being distracted by both. Um, Did you see any of the um, prelims? No, I did not. I was watching the UFC prelims, but I wish I had jumped on the Bellator prelims because I was unenthused with the um, UFC prelims. Why don't you walk me through what you think caught your attention on the yeah, prelims? Yeah, well, first off, um, it wasn't without its thrills and spills. I've, I've got to admit, every single one of these for me 
was a barn burner in terms of people basically trying to edge the finish, people just going like that extra mile. And just before I start all of this, in the lead up to this, I kind of like um, had a impromptu spaces. It was kind of like last minute. And uh, Kairos and uh, Phil the Dude uh, was co-hosting on, on <laughs> basically, it was Leah McCourt holding court. Now, she answered quite a lot about what happened in the run up to her last fight. And um, she also let, uh, I suppose, dropped a bit of a gem and that is, Eight weeks from now, she is going to be on the Bellator London card. She's not um, uh, privileged to actually tell us in advance who she will be fighting, but she will be on the card. So she actually um, confirmed that. But what she also did, she kind of like gave us a rundown of what we could expect to see from the two Irishmen on the card who opened up the prelims. That's Kiefer Crosby and um, Brian Moore. Now, Brian Moore, for me, I have to say, was a stellar performance against Jordan uh, Get the Winsky. Um, uh, now, <laughs> this nickname, uh, I'm sure it's Get the Winsky or um, I'm a Winsky or, or, or something to do with Winsky because the guy's name is Jordan Winsky, but didn't lo- live up to his, his, his name um, because Jordan didn't get the Winsky. Brian Moore was dominant. And it, you know what a feature presentation of, of this was? It was mm. leg kicks. My guy, Brian Moore from SBG, was going in hard on those leg kicks, so much so that, you know, they were crippling to the effect that, you know, Jordan Winsky could hardly stand. And for me, that kind of like made me think, you guys down at SBG are really, really taking this leg kick thing into your arsenal, into your game now, because, man, he was committed to it committed in a big way but he um got the win with a unanimous decision um victory there but that was an exciting fight I really did enjoy that and like I say it was made all the more better in that you know Limacourt did say look look out for Brian Moore and look out for Keith Crosby because they are going to be dynamite on this card now Unfortunately, Kiefer Crosby moving on to, to his fight and um, didn't get the, the win. But considering his record, eight and three, going up against a vet, Georgie Karikanyan, um, at 31, 11 and one, he put on, I would say, a, a reasonable and I would say, what's the word I'm looking for here? It would be a credible performance considering his record. Now, he lost via um, arm triangle choke in... Um, in the first round, but you know, he was looking good up until that. I've got to admit, on the feet, he looked dynamite, and it made me wonder why he kind of like took it to the ground. I mean, he was quickly reversed as um <laughs> kind of like you know <laughs> showed him levels here. But man, seriously, the prelims were a smorgasbord of um I got, I got one for you, Mike, something that caught my attention because remember, I was watching both, but yeah. still distracted. So Vanessa Porto versus Alara Joanne was yep. a fun ass fight. Split okay. Decision, yeah. Split split decision, but let mm-hmm. me tell you, wonderful matchup. Because at first I was like, wait, Vanessa's 20, 22 and, and nine. And then like yeah. Alara is like what, eight and uh five. You know what I mean? Like six, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Records were a bit different. So I'm like, is this another Bellator mismatch? Not at all. It was a great matchup split down the middle. They did more kickboxing than wrestling. But when they did get down to the ground, I saw some nice ground and pound. I saw some scrambles to get up. And it was just like a fun, competitive matchup. I can't even call the fight. 
They're saying Vanessa won, but it was so close. And I really, really enjoyed this fight a lot. And thank you, ladies, for bringing it. Me and you both, because, um, again, this crow on my plate is kind of like, uh, well, I guess I'm on to my second helping because just like you, I'm always looking at the Bellator card with a bit of side eye and saying nine and six against 23 and nine. Yeah, you're having a laugh. This is definitely a squash match. We just are actually just looking for knockouts here. But no, this was credible, a performance from um, Ilara Joanne. And I really did think, you know, at times that, you know, she had Vanessa Porto on the back foot, but... Like I say, um, I, I, I'm, I'm nibbling down on this crow because, you know, as we're going to come on to later in terms of um, what happened with the UFC card, again, I, I do deserve an extra helping. But moving on to the main card, I'm going to just like fast forward to Usman Namegamedov. I mean, defeating Manny Muriel. I mean, Namegamedov living up to that name. He's now 13-0 and he mm-hmm. Phenomenal in round one. I mean, I'm glad that, you know, these Dagestanis are, are coming over here with more than a wrestled wrestling game and with a point to prove because TKO punches in round one against Manny Muriel, I have to say it looked phenomenal in terms of finish. Did you, I know you were, were flipping backwards and forwards in between uh, fights, but did you catch that? Uh, Usman Nurmagomedov versus Manny Murrow? Yes, yeah. I did. Mm. Yes, I did. That was a beautiful knee to the liver. Okay. And what I like about Usman is that he's so young. Like, man, let me tell you something. I really hope in a couple of years, him and AJ McKee, you know, kind of uh, meet up on whatnot, or I don't know. He's a gem and we need to really pay attention to this guy. What I like about him most is that he's got striking, mm. like he's got wrestling down pack because he's yes. Dagestani and whatnot. Yes. And he's Khabib's cousin. But what's dynamic about this young man is that he's known for his striking. And that's what you saw mm. with that perfectly placed knee to the to the ribcage, that drop dude, you know, and he's only 23. We have so much more to see from him. And he's dangerous. His striking is elite. I love the fact that he underlined in his um, post-fight um, speech. You know, he came there to make a, a statement and he, he was basically he's saying, look, it. I want to show that I can wrestle, I can grapple, I could take this fight anywhere. I mean, how difficult an opponent is this guy going to be? I mean, this, this is, is what I'm saying. This is just like him showing levels. He's not just about striking. He could do everything. And meanwhile, Dagestani wrestling is already like an edge up on everybody, even if your your striking is not up to par. I mean, we mm. saw Khabib kind of catch up to his striking as far as his wrestling. So they're already dangerous men with the wrestling. But now to have Usman being also an elite striker with the elite wrestling, he can always fall back on. But he's a guy that leads with striking first, which I find hella interesting. Like, yeah. Bellator has a winner with this guy and, and, you know, possible future champ, definitely a contender. And he's going to be like smoking these guys left and right. And we need to watch him. He's young as fuck, Mike. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mads mm-hmm. Burnell, um, 15 and three now, um, defeated Emmanuel Sanchez, 20 and five. Now again, great fight. Great fight. I've got a heap more crow on my plate. When I saw that, I thought they're feeding Mads Burnell to the wolves here because 15 and three against 20 and five. And the fact is, you know, Mads Burnell is, if you are following the rankings, number eight in the rankings. And Emmanuel Sanchez is number two. So it made right. me think when I saw this matchup, when I saw this on the card, I thought, uh, I see what you guys are doing here. Wrong. 
I was completely wrong. This was an incredible fight. I love the back and forth. I love the fact that every single round, both of them were, I would say, neck and neck. It was a close run thing. Plus, no one was giving up. No one was actually on the back foot um, for more than, you know, a second or two. They were kind of like, a, if this was a serious back and forth. And I love the chess match that Madge was playing here. And, you know, all, 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 all more power to him. This was... Uh, I would say one of the biggest scalps that he's had so far. Mads Burnell, definitely one to look out for in the future. Oh, yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely, Mike. I mean, I think he's somewhat special because he's like really young. He's about to come into his prime and he's he's performing quite well. Mm. You know, um, I thought it was a close fight last night, but I did give Matt the win. I really think he did slightly enough to beat um, Emmanuel Sanchez. So I was happy with the win, but yeah. you got to remember this guy, he choked out your man, Saul Rogers, and you mm. know, in his last fight in Bellator, you know, he's got, he's got a, you know, a loss in the UFC to who Arnold Allen, nothing to be ashamed of. And isn't he, if I'm not mistaken, a former cage warrior champ, or he's got some extensive uh, wins and some time in cage warriors. So yeah, yeah, he he's has pretty, cage warriors. Yeah. yeah. So if you think about it, he's young, but he's got the experience. So yeah. he's coming into his prime and he has all this experience and he's getting better. Mm. So here's another person that we have to watch in Bellator, similar to Uzmat. I think this guy's going to make waves in Bellator. And it seems like Bellator is a good fit for him. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. Moving on to the main event, AJ McKee defeated Patricio Pitbull. I, I, I bet you thought that you'd never hear those words because, again, in the spaces, I was grilling and uh, so were the audience, um, Leah McCourt. And one of the things I was keen, obviously, for her to do was to run down the card and kind of give her opinion. And this is uh, where me and her... 100% agreed. AJ McKee has shown so far that he has phenomenal skills, not just on the ground, but on the feet as well. He's also mm -hmm. shown consistently that regardless of the opponent, he knows his own level. He's not going in there shook. He's going in there with a game plan. and He's going to execute that game plan. And the thing is this, he's coming from good stock. I mean, you see his crowd that's around him in terms of... Oh, yeah. Um, the, well, the, the, the camp that he's in. But not mm -hmm. only that, I mean, he has just consistently shown incredible levels. And this, for me, it wasn't even a coming out party for AJ McKee. This was a solidification. Yeah. This was underlying and underlining, sorry, the fact that this is someone special to watch. And, you know, Leah called it correctly. And that was, it was going to be a decisive win and it was going to be one which would shock people. And I agreed with her. I was like, yes, I'm all in. Two reasons. One, just in terms of his pedigree, seeing what he's done before, but two, always bet on black. <laughs> Very funny, Mike. Um... <laughs> Well, I bet on uh, Pitbull because, I mean, we, we discussed Pitbull being a goat in his division. I mean, he's it's it's fucking Pitbull. It, you know, how many fights did he win in a row? Like his his win streak is ridiculous. He's like the Frankie Edgar of his division. He's fucking tiny, but beating up everybody in front of him. And I think AJ McKee represents that new era of, of MMA fighters, meaning these new and upcoming fighters are coming to the UFC and to Bellator and these organizations prepared 
to fight, meaning they're well-rounded and dynamic from their debut to when they become champion like A.J. McKee. I mean, he does it all. I mean, when he submitted um, Darren Caldwell, I never even saw a choke like that before. What the hell was that? Mm. And this kid is, what, 22 years old, brand spanking new, and he's already coming out submitting um, Caldwell with a a move I've never even seen before. Shocking. Derek Campos is the only opponent he's had that has made it out the second round. Yeah. AJ McKee is the definition of new school fighter that when they show up, they show up correct and they could possibly dethrone a fucking goat that me and you are used to from watching for years. Yes. It's, it's really interesting to see how these new fighters show up correct. Mm. And I just can't wait for more AJ McKees that they're really showing up like some fucking machines. I'm I'm totally blown away by this. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not going to say I had the inside track because I don't really feel as though I did, but I do remember filming with AJ McKee when he was in Italy, Torino. Um, I think it was that I rocked up to behind the scenes. I was doing some, um, I was doing some filming for um, an agency which was working with Bellator. So they employed me to do um, some behind the scenes footage. And you know something? He has the same kind of aura, the same kind of pull, the same kind of like magnetism as a certain other um, young up and coming person who I had the same kind of like vibe with. And that was Conor McGregor when I was filming behind the scenes and he caught my attention. There's just something about this man, AJ McKee, that kind of like draws you in. There's something about his charisma and he's loud with it, which is brilliant. But it made me feel then, especially, you know, he was talking then about, you know, one of these days I'm going to meet up with Patricia Pitbull and we're going to clash. And I was thinking, but you're only like two fights into your Bellator career, but it's just the surety of this man in terms of he is really, really well seized of his own skill set and how it presents a problem for everybody else. So, you know, I, I love the fact that he got to realize that. I'm sure I wasn't the only person that he told that to in terms of who he'd like to face. But fact is, he realized he actually spoke into existence a lot of what um, he'd actually been talking about behind the scenes about Patricia Pitbull. Just speaking of which, I want to get your take on this. It bothered me, I'm not going to lie, in the pre-fight preamble, and that was at the um, press conference that they had, AJ McKee and Patricia Pitbull kind of like went head to head and it got really, really heated when... AJ McKee said, "Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna embarrass you in front of your, 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 your family, you know." And he named his son. I'm not a fan of, you know, bringing people's families into it. You know, a, um, Patricia Pitbull, he kind of like retorted, and you know, I'm gonna embarrass you in front of your dad. Then, you know, the the, the family jokes were, were coming out, and it was clear that it was needling both men because you saw how they actually stood up and got quite wild. For you, was that? Am I being like a bit of a pussy in terms of look? People are going to say some things in the run-up to fights. People are going to kind of go for the jugular. There is going to be no off switch when it comes to trying to get under your opponent's skin. Am I over-egging it ever so slightly and thinking, you know what? That for me was a little bit distasteful because I said this in spaces and I'll say this here. I'm not a real big fan of bringing families into it. I'm of the Scarface adage, no women, no children. There's like a gray area with no women, no children. You know, I think there's just levels to that, to it. And I think AJ and Pitbull brought in an appropriate level of shit talking and bringing in family. You know, this wasn't the Connor incident where 
you know, people's families are going to get slept at night and making like gun gestures to his head. Now that is completely inappropriate. Mm. But to say, hey, I'm going to embarrass you in front of your family just sounds like good old fashioned shit talk. Yeah, but I but- can understand how someone like you and people that have children are like, yeah. hey, you cross the line because yeah. that's an un- that's an unconditional love that only a parent can understand. Mm. So I get where you're coming from, but I just think there's levels to it. What Connor said and did about Dustin's family was disgusting and inappropriate. But just saying you're going to embarrass somebody in front of their family as a fan on the outside looking in, me personally, I'm not offended. <laughs> wow. You're made of tougher things and tougher elements than me. Well, I don't have kids. Who the fuck am I? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm not really thinking from a parent mindset, but I'm sure if I had a kid, I would feel crazy, to, you know, protective over them. So maybe that's what you're projecting. Like, don't talk about my kids like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Moving swiftly on then to UFC Fight Night Hall versus Strickland or UFC Vegas 33 as it was billed on social media. I'm going to rely on you to bring me up to speed in terms of anything notable in terms of talking points on the uh, on the prelims. But I'm just going to heap mm-hmm. up another bit of crow on my um, on my plate because again I think it, I, I need to acknowledge that I was wrong about this card I was wrong about this main card and it delivered it delivered big time it, this was such a pleasure to watch no okay well unpack for me what I missed on the prelim card well on the prelims I have a, a bit of an issue here that something that I always talk about with you I'm kind of sick of the Dana um the Dana White Contender Series pipeline that we're seeing on the early prelims. Mm. For instance, Orion, um, hopefully I'm saying his name right, Kosi, Orion Kosi fought Philip Rowe, in which we saw Philip Rowe capitalize in the second round and just knock this kid the fuck out. Mm. Um, Here's the issue that I have with it, is that he Orion was not ready for his UFC debut. Okay. He was on the contender series. Apparently he got some type of win that got him the contract. But the issue that I'm having is that when they show up and they make a debut, Mike, they're not UFC caliber. Mm. It's like they, he should be in the minor leagues learning some stuff. I mean, his brother fought not too long ago. And I think the UFC wanted to like market, like, brothers on the pre you know like they want to make a cute story but the problem is is that neither brother has the talent to keep up with the ufc and like they're lacking in basic things like the 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 last fight i forget the brother's first name but he couldn't cut off the cage and he used his face as a shield there was no defensive skills and then orion outside of tying up philip rowe against the cage he had nothing for him Mm. So I'm just really disappointed with how some of these kids are being funneled on the prelims and they're not ready for that type of competition. And, you know, they're being underpaid. So, again, we saw that last night with Orion, but I don't want to take away from Philip Rowe's fight. The knockout was splendid. It was really exciting and it was a great way to open the card. So shout out to Philip for that. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Well, like I say, I didn't see any of the prelims. I missed oh, every yeah, yeah, one yeah. of them because I was deep, like balls deep in, uh, in, in Bellator. Yeah, a chance to catch up um, with the prelims. But just whilst we're on the prelims, I've got a question. Nika Montagna, um, I, <laughs> I, I missed the back and forth. I know that she missed weight 
hellishly. But I thought that her fight was still on. I, I gather that no. she didn't end up fighting. And, you know, if that's the case, then does she get cut? Because this has been hellish for her in terms of getting a fight, actually making it to fight night so far. Yeah, I don't even see why she's still employed at the UFC. This seems to be like an ongoing issue. Okay. Whether whether it's not an injury or whether she can't make weight, the fact of the line is, is that Nico doesn't show up to fight and she has a plethora of reasons. Let her go and let her figure that out. Now the UFC has been pretty mum about, you know, what are they going to do with her? And it seems like they're moving right along, but I would not be surprised if they cut her. I mean, Mike, is she really an asset? Is she someone like worth keeping around? Does she sell seats? Does she have a like a fan base? That like, is what's the point of keeping her? Is she managed by Ali Abdelaziz? I'm unsure. Is she? <laughs> you Shit. This just what just like you. I am baffled, befuddled, and a little bit confused as to why she's still on the roster. But you know, she's that, not an asset, Mike. Like, what does she bring to the table? The fuck? Well, that, besides that, not making weight. <laughs> that speaks volumes. Who you're managed by? Because um, as we well know, Ali Abdelaziz must know where the bodies are buried. Because um, you know his his roster definitely get favorable treatment but no i thought i'd ask because i was a little bit baffled there were so many um issues with this card as you well know leading up to it and i remember hers being the biggest kind of like takeaway in terms of talking points and i was a little bit kind of confused as to whether she was still gonna well fight but as you and just, I'm uh, nope, she didn't no and um they scraped the fight because i believe she was seven to eight pounds overweight which is insane and also too if you know you're coming in that heavy where is your management that says hey let's contact the other camp and see if we can do some type of catch weight and let's mm-hmm. involve the ufc here so we can save this fight like yeah. where is the sense of urgency but we don't know her side of the story yet but believe it or not i believe she has some type of youtube documentary and she's made a very lengthy statement about why she's missed weight and i'm hearing it's a lot of excuses but i have yet to watch it okay all right. So moving swiftly on, what else, uh, what other talking points were there on the prelim cards, which in hindsight, I should have actually watched? No, not really, because like <laughs> a lot of these fights went to decision. There was only the opener um, bout with Philip Rowan and Orion was the only KO or TKO. Uh, so uh, you missed a lot. And Ashley Yoder was, was, was fighting again, struggling. That's another one. I'm like, why do you have a job? Mm-hmm. I even tweeted that maybe they should sign me so that she can get a win. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> let me get shaved, Dana. I'll come out there and let her bust me up for a mm-hmm. fee. Uh, Chris Gritzmacher versus uh, Rafi Garcia was an interesting fight because Rafa, I believe, is from Combate. He had a great, he lost to Nasrat, but I thought he put on a really good performance in his last fight, even though he lost. And I was shocked that as the fight went on, Chris was able to capitalize and beat him up. So that was a decent fight, but Mike, you ain't missed nothing. You was better off with the Bellator. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, so should I take half of the crow off my plate? Because if you're saying that the prelims were bum prelims, um, then I was half right that this card wasn't up to much until we got to the main card, right? Yeah, I would say so. I would, yeah. It happens, Mike. Just scraping a little bit of the the crow off. All right, Right. so let's fast forward then to 
the main event, which I did catch, Brian Barberina and Jason Witt. What a way to open the main card. I love it. What a fun fight. What a fun, fun fight. And Jason Witt, I mean, to be honest with you, the way that this ended up, I really thought that, you know, Brian Barberina was going to make a serious comeback. He was doing some serious damage. I mean, talk about having Jason Witt on the back foot after he'd actually, I think, quite convincingly captured the first two rounds. It yep. looked as though, you know, it was going to be snatched from um, well, from his fingers. What do you think? I just think Jason Witt is really tough and so is Brian. Because it's mm. like at, at one minute you're like, yeah, you know, Brian's got one up on him, even though he lost the first two rounds, like you said, in the third. But like neither man would go down, you know, and, and it's just like. I love this fight because both men would hit the ground, get up, drop the other one, and just they threw the kitchen sink at each other. And man, what a fun fight. But Brian, this is how he fights. And this is probably, I'd like to say that he lost. Mm. But at the same time, like, I think he had a lot of fun in there because this is his type of fight. This is why you watch Brian Barbarena fight. And I think this was a really great matchup because Jason Witt, Although his name, his nickname, Vanilla Gorilla, threw me off, man, he fought like a beast up in there. So I don't like his fight name, Mike, but I like Jason Witt. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, at Featherweight, Colin Anglin and Melsic Badzerian. Now, man, man, the way that this was set up in terms of that KO, if I remember rightly, I, I mean, it, it was almost a blink and you'll miss it type of moment. I mean, this guy, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I've not actually come across him before, um, Melsic. Is this someone who I should have been watching on the prelims? Is this what you're going to tell me? Well, actually, he's a contender series guy. And, ah. and he's actually a contender series guy that I'm not going to complain about. I don't think he's a part of that pipeline because when he was in the um, contender series, I did kind of notice like he's, a, he's an excellent kickboxer and the way he throws kicks and just, he's exciting. I don't know how else to describe him. He's, you know, like he's just a fun fucking kickboxer and he's young and I like, you know, his fighting energy. And I noticed it on the contender series and look, boom, he makes a debut where on the UFC, he comes out of that pipeline, but he proves himself in his debut and gets a delicious, impressive head, head kick knockout. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. When you come out of the contender series, follow that shit up and don't just follow it up. Look good doing it. Show everybody mm. you proved to be here now that you're not on that fucking game show. Mm. And that's what Melchick did. But I did notice him before, Mike. He's 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 got some dope kickboxing. So, welcome to the UFC. Keep an eye on him. See, I knew you would have the the backstory and uh, the inside track on this man. I just knew it. But moving on, Nicholas Stoles and um, Jared Gooden. Jared Gooden coming out there like man. I don't know what he was told in the back. I don't know what they told him in the in the in the changing room. I don't know what they told him in the lead up to this. It must have been, you know, Nicholas is sleeping with your moms because he came out there like a bat out of hell. It was almost as though, look, I'm not getting paid overtime here. I'm going to finish this as we stand. Absolutely. And I do believe this is a short notice fight for him. Okay. Maybe maybe three days. I hope I'm correct. Somebody in this fight showed up three days late and I'm thinking it's Jared, but what a performance. He needed this win. Mm. Love the heavy right hand that, that connected on Nicholas chin, you know, and then the, the follow-up for good measure, boom, fights over first round, one minute, eight seconds. Good on Jared. You know, I think, 
he's lucky that the second shot when he was uh, on his back, Nicholas Stoles didn't actually connect because <laughs> he would have been in, he would have been still unconscious in next week. Seriously. Yeah. Cause that, that right hand that started this knockout was pretty hard. Yeah. Um, it was flush and Jared sat down on that bitch, saw the opening and dropped him. It was, it was a good, good first round, mm-hmm. good knockout from Jared. And like I said, he needed it. You know, his, his debut, I think, believe, I believe he lost and, and whatnot, but I think he can hang in the UFC. So this, he needed this. Yeah. Shane Bays and Gloria DePaulia. Speak on man. it. Man, so much fucking fun. Oh my God. Like, first of all, I didn't expect the mauling to happen so quickly. My, my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Bias really came out here and handled her motherfucking business. What'd she do right away? Didn't she just kick her in the face right away? Yes. And then uh, Shorty trying to get up, got kicked in the face, fell back, and Cheyenne just followed up, mounted her, and ended the fight yeah. in, in one minute time. What energy she brought to this card. Love it. This was the kind of like, but well, those reminded me of bitch better have my money punches because no, it, yeah. it, it was almost as though she was trying to punch the money out of her. And speaking of money, that kind of led, left a bad taste in my mouth. The fact that, let's let's just not sugarcoat this. Yes, an impressive win. Yes, I can get the passion. Yes, she told us her backstory and that she, you know, she made no bones about it. She's broke. Dana, give me some money. I need this. I need my win money and I need the bonus because I basically just sold everything to be in on this dream and everybody who's around me, my family, my husband are in on it with me. You need to uh, give me some recompense, but that left a bad taste in my mouth. How bad is it that come fight night after your win, you literally have to beg for your bonus? That kind of like mm, that rankled in me somewhat. How about you? Yeah, it makes me feel bad. It makes me feel like I tweeted this morning. I was like, this reminds me of like when a family hits their GoFundMe um, goal simply yes. because they can't afford healthcare and something traumatic has happened to them medically and they now need us to donate to their GoFundMe. And although people celebrate like, oh, we hit the goal. It's sad that you have to do that in the first place. It's sad that this woman is a professional fighter putting money into her own career. And And the place where she performs this and puts her heart and soul doesn't pay her well. Mm-hmm. And then just to see her reaction to get that extra money, it's like winning the lotto. She should act like that. Even let's say she got paid well and still won the bonus. She should still be happy about that and surprised. But it just hits harder knowing that she's broke and mm-hmm. got that money and yeah. works someplace where she's underpaid. Mm-hmm. Not cool. Not cool. No, no, no. And, and, and also, too, I be- isn't she from the Contender Series? Don't they also have, like, really shitty contracts once they make it to the U.S.? Like, yes. we talk about fighters being underpaid, but do folks know that the Contender Series folks are beyond underpaid? Like, those are the real underpaid athletes. Yeah. yeah. Like, Connor's yeah. underpaid. Can you believe uh, Cheyenne buys and, and, and Contender Series folks? Mm-hmm. Shit. 100%. 100%. Moving on to the main event, Uriah Hall and Sean Strickland. I'm not going to lie. I was really 
invested in Uri Hall only because, this, you know, this is coming off the back of an incredible weekend where, you know, elsewhere in sports, we saw three Jamaican women come first, second and third in the 100 metres. That, I have to say, for me, made my weekend seeing Jamaica on the map in such mm. a big, big way. And I was expecting Jamaican-born Uriah Hall to continue the trend. I was really hoping against hope, considering all that we know about him being previously gun-shy, that he'd come into this and really kind of like put on a performance. Now, don't get me wrong, this wasn't a poor performance from Uriah Hall. There was no gun shyness in this. He was, you know, to a certain extent coming forward towards the latter part of this matchup, this fight. But I still wanted to see a little bit more vigor. It needed coaxing out of him. Did you hear his corner? Basically kind of like screaming at him, look, Uriah, you really do need to be in this. And it made me think, have we seen the, the last of um, head kick knockout Uriah Hall? Now, I do remember that being on tough. I do remember that being the narrative coming out and Dana being really hot on this man. But since then, really and truly, what has he done of, uh, or on that level and on that nature? Or was it that Sean Strickland was just that good? Um, man. I think it's, I think, I don't know, because I just don't think Sean Strickland is just that good. I just think he's, <laughs> you know, feeling good right now. He's got a nice jab and he's winning fights and he's mm -hmm. tough as fuck. And he, and, and, and I also get the impression that he enjoys fighting. So a lot of times when you enjoy this, yeah. you perform well. And that's where I think he's at right now. But I'm not going to lie. I thought Uriah had it in him to beat him. And even though I know Uriah is, um, what's it called? Inconsistent. And I also yeah. know that he can also be mentally weak, which I hate saying about a fighter, even if they appear that way or act that way. I hate saying it because who like they're so tough. It's weird to say they're mentally weak. Um, but he does. In him. I mean, I, yeah, I yeah. Where you're coming from. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. It's OK. And he does break. So but I was fooled with the four white four fight win streak, Mike. Like I actually thought like he had his shit together. He got his mind right. I mean, think about it. He's on a four fight win streak. He beat mm. Bevan Lewis, Antonio yep. Carlos Jr., yep. uh, Anderson Silva, yep. uh, Chris Weidman. And yes, like some of these names, are, you know, they don't jump out at you or some of them are past their prime. Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva. I get yep. it. But he consistently went on a nice run. He looked good in the run. He established a beautiful jab in some of these fights. His killer instinct kicked in, got a TKO. The leg check, um, check to Chris Weidman, beautiful, broke his leg, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So I fell for it, the momentum. And then he meets Sean Strickland and then, boom, Gina, don't forget, this guy is inconsistent. <laughs> boom, here's a reminder. Mm. And, and, and not for nothing, I thought he did try his best, but he, it did look like at some point in the fight, Sean broke him, you know, and then also his eye got swollen. Tough night in the office for him. I mean, bro, I'm but, just so. But let's commend him, though, because, yeah, the eye was a hindrance. The eye was obviously um, a problem, but he worked through that and still marched forward. But like I say, for me, it was too little, too late. Yeah. I, yep. I like the fifth round, right? Yeah, I spent a lot of time seeing Sean Strickland march this man down for rounds one, two. I'm sure it was yeah, three. Yeah, pick as well. his shots, right? Yes. 
that jab, Sean Strickland's jab was just meeting this guy's face every single time, backing him up. You are all yeah. on a retreat from that jab. But yeah. that's why I say, was it that Sean Strickland was just that good? Because we're talking like a pitch perfect and a picture perfect um, performance there. Yeah, I think I think like Sean Strickland is sneakily um, dangerous and a little hard to figure out. Like I've noticed in some of his fights, like some people just really don't know how to to get through <laughs> that jab and it interrupts their game plan. It interrupts them coming forward. Like legit, like um, Uriah could not establish his game. He was just on the back foot. And yes, does he like to counter? Absolutely. But when you're being hit with 50 jabs, how can you counter a jab like that? And you can't yeah. figure it out. And Sean Strickland was just rolling all of Uriah's punches with his defense and with the elbow coming out and, you know, moving backwards and, and whatnot. It was and the angles at which he moves backwards, not just straight back, but he's he's got a nice groove going. But what do you think of Sean Strickland in general? I find him to be very odd and strange acting. Like, for instance, after this fight, he was um, telling media like he'd love to kill somebody in the cage. And he also said that Uriah Hall's the type of guy to beat someone up and then jerk off afterwards. <laughs> and and, and wow. he admitted, yeah, and he also admitted that you know, he'd be the worst champion because, you know, the UFC doesn't want him on the mic as a champion. And I'm starting to like understand why, like he says a lot of weird shit. Mm. What do you think of him? No, I, I, I agree with you. There were some odd things and the peculiar things he said um, in the run up. And, um, but doesn't that kind of like play in the wheelhouse of what we really want to hear and see. And that is someone different, someone who's going to speak his mind, someone who's not going to give us the vanilla type answers. So I can't think that, or I, I, I shouldn't, I, I feel as though we shouldn't be kind of curtailing that kind of like oddball. Yeah. Is That's what makes him stand out. And that's in this individual sport and individualistic sport, we need mm -hmm. people like him. Okay, he's not my cup of tea and that's not the sort of thing that I kind of like dear to and the brand values, which I kind of like uh, try to uphold, but you know, he is different. And yeah, definitely different. And I agree with you. And you know what I like, um, even though there aren't a lot of things that I like about Sean Strickland, but what I do like about him is that he's honest. And I find that like people like Colby Covington and people like Henry Cejudo that kind of play into their stick too much, like they don't know when to turn it off, makes me appreciate someone like Sean Strickland that is just raw and honest. Like, I'll kill someone in a cage. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yep. it's better than someone that doesn't know when to turn off the MAGA shit because mm -hmm. fans actually want to know how did it feel to perform against so-and-so? And then you'll notice that Kobe can't even answer because he's too busy. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I appreciate someone that's just going to answer media questions and, and, and honestly, and that is Sean Strickland, whether you think he's weird or not. But mm -hmm. now let me ask you a question. Another question about Sean Strickland. Underrated, overrated. Like, I get that he has a nice jab and whatnot, but this guy's not going to be champ and somebody's going to beat his ass. So what do you think is his fighting skills? Well, I think he is definitely um, gifted. I think that, you know, yes, talented. And yesterday showed that, you know, 
he adopted the game plan and stuck to it. That jab was working for him. And I can't say, and I can't think. In a few fights, um, yeah. Well, exactly. I, I, can't, I can't for a second think that this was just something that he was doing on the fly just because it was Uriah Hall. This is something he's been drilling. This is something which works for him. And, you know, we have to kind of like, you know, lay praise to this skill set. Is he going to be a contender? I just can't see it. Is he going to be a champion? I just can't see it. Is he a good gatekeeper? Well, yeah. Let's just call it as it is. I know it's not really um, the, the, the done thing to actually label people in this way, but yes, he is. Mm, okay. All right. Well. Mike's hit me with the, yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. I mean, I, I mean, I look forward to more matchups with Sean Strickland. I'd like to see him fight another loudmouth Vittori. That would be fun. The build up mm. to that would be fun. And I'd like mm. to see him deal with someone that's going to bring like a wrestling approach to things, you know, and also how does Vittori deal with that jab? But there's plenty of matchups for Sean, whether he's going to be champ or not, or whether you think he's fucking weird. You know, there's some people that he matches up with quite interesting. Yeah. So no, what about what about um him and Kevin Holland? Why not? Exactly. Big mouth. Because that's yeah. exactly the type of opponent. That's such an excellent bit of matchmaking there, G. Gotta got come in. Listen, both of them, both of them are loud mouths. One is a wrestler that's gonna stay in his face, and the other one is Kevin Holland that's gonna got some really nice striking and might be able to to thwart that jab. Who knows? And we yep. know that Sean's gonna bring it. So like he might not be, you know, a contender or a future champ, but we can match him up some lovely fights, and I'm looking forward to it. 100%. You know, just before we go, um, just to say that we will obviously be back midweek with mm-hmm. Shots Fired, with the fellas, Chisanga and Kairos. I just want to commend you and you must be feeling really good about yourself in the run up to UFC 265. You have been championing Cyril Garn since he came into the UFC. It was you that put me on to Cyril Garn. And I still feel as though his name should be Garnier in, in, in me uh, too. <laughs> recognition of you and the fact that you brought him to the table. How good do you feel that this man is now fighting for, well, I suppose the interim heavyweight title? You must feel hellishly good about yourself right now. Um, call me crazy, but no, because really? I, yeah, because I think um, Gain is going to beat Derek Lewis, and I think Gain is going to be our heavyweight champ. And I think fans are going to complain about the fact that he is a puzzle and is not really concerned with being entertaining. Like he's he is entertaining when he gets an opening. You know, you've seen him elbow um, JDS. You've seen him be really exciting. But most of the time, he's just figuring people out and being a problem for his opponent. Mm. And I think he's a huge problem for some of the heavyweights that we know and love. Well, I'm going to commend you again for bringing him to my attention because I've been watching him feverishly. And, um, you know, we've... we've he's good. Been- brought him to the table um, from afar so thank you for that so that wraps up this episode of the Wokecast as I mentioned we'll be back midweek with the fellas for Shots Fired until then look after yourselves later y'all